Hello and welcome to the Hoop Collective podcast. We talk about the NBA. We're a little off schedule this week by design. I think we, we lost thought- Mac Tensey. Well, we didn't. We haven't even introduced him yet, McMahon. Jesus, you've messed no. it up already. Sorry, we'll start over. I was concerned. He literally, he literally dropped off, Brian. Yeah, I know, but don't uh, don't ruin it. By well, saying. I mean, you were twelve seconds in. It was a great twelve oh. seconds, but start over. Here we go. Yeah, let's go. All right, <laughs> all right. Starting over, Jackson. I had such a great intro. Three, two, one. Hello, welcome to the Hoop Collective podcast. We talk about the NBA, which we're doing a little bit off our normal schedule this week because of Thanksgiving. We thought we would give you a little bit of a longer one with a little bit more guests to get you through your travels over the weekend. I'm traveling. A little, a little variety, some stuffing, some cranberry sauce. Who eats cranberry sauce? I don't. I think it's my gross, mother, but my some mother, people like it. My mother calls it dressing, not stuffing, which I think is a very old school. Stuffin, S T U F F I N, stuffin. She says, "Do you want some dressing?" And everybody looks at her weird. Um, that's Ben McMahon, who's joining us from Dallas. Howdy, partners. Uh, I'm in Cleveland, where I was covering the Nets Cavs game. First time I've been to a game in Cleveland in three years. So how about that? Um, you get it a standing ovation? That. No. Um, joining us in Boston is Timothy Bontemps, who was at the Rockets-Celtics game. We're recording this on Tuesday morning, so this is Monday night. Um, it's always funny when you s- to see the Rockets these days, Bontemps. Rockets might not be able to beat my St. Bonaventure Bonnies, the one team in New York State who is uh, ranked in this week's this week's. Uh, a people. Whoa. One team that's ranked. So listen to this, McMahon. He's all excited about Bonaventure. Okay. He's been talking about this team for months. And over the weekend, they were in the championship game of a tournament in Charleston, South Carolina. They're playing Marquette, who was undefeated. That's correct. And and Bontemps went to Charleston. Really? Where were your game. seats? Sat right on the court. Oh, jeez, man. They really treat you like you're somebody. Golly, I don't well, understand he, it. He got to the will call window and they said, uh, who are the tickets for? And he said, Adrian Wojnarski. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and they you took know. care of me. That's what I do. Like uh, whenever people see me or the like, Delta uh, CEO, whenever that's yes, whenever, or the Delta whenever, CEO, whenever people see me in um, in arenas and they don't know who I am, they're like, hey, you're from ESPN. What's your name again? You know what I say? Woj. Adrian Wojnarski <laughs> at Adrian Woj on Twitter. <laughs> Follow me. Thank I just you. play my theme song. That's why every time I ever have to, to you know, when you have to sign in for a Wi-Fi or something, and I want you to give your email, I just put in Tim McMahon at. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> our first special guest out of our normal rotation, he's a regular on the pod, is joining us from New York City today. Um, where tonight he's going to the Lakers. Uh, Knicks game, which I can't say for LeBron, Dave McMenamin, mm. because, um, you know, last night I was I was covering the uh, the uh, the Nets uh, game. And so these days when they have us cover these games, they ha- they have us bring camera equipment. And um, I had like a, a jacket and, and shirt um, with me in the car. And I was thinking to myself, I don't think I'm going to have to do TV tonight. It's a Cavs Nets game. 
So I'm leaving the camera equipment and the jacket and shirt in the car, and I'm just wearing a sweater to the game. Screw it. Um, but that's what I would have said about the Lakers-Pistons game the night before. And uh, you had a, a busy day that day on Sunday, and we have suspensions. Um, first suspension of LeBron's career. Um, were you surprised? I was surprised, Dave, that he got suspended for that. Absolutely. I was surprised because, listen, there's no third-party justice system of the NBA. The NBA polices its own. So what was the motivation to make this two games for Stewart and one for LeBron? Couldn't they have done one for Stewart, zero for LeBron, and kept it moving? I, I don't quite understand that. You have 19 years of evidence to sift through as to what type of player LeBron is. Uh, there's no, in my opinion, clear evidence of his intent other than to get uh, Isaiah Stewart's arm off of him. It was unfortunate he made contact well, with his face, punched I mean, him he, in the face, whatever you want yeah, to call it. He did but, punch him in the face, which I think he did on purpose. Yeah, we, we don't think, have evidence you think, you of... Think, uh, wait, 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 wait. You think he punched him in the face on purpose? Well, he cleared him with his closed fist on purpose i think yeah i he mean punched him saying, on purpose. Saying, but, but, i think, but, yeah. I think the but face you was think he hit him in the face that's the point brian well yeah i, I would mean, say no, not well like <laughs> you're trying to push the guy's arm off your your friggin rib cage well him, isaiah isaiah stewart was called for a uh foul on the play people won't remember that he was called for a foul and lebron didn't like it and he hit him with a flagrant two foul. I, I don't think right. he, LeBron you just also, said he intentionally punched him in the face. What you just said, bro. Well, LeBron uh, also he, probably didn't like the fact that the Pistons were whooping their ass and that the Lakers have been, you know, uh, some variation of horse crap all year long. And, and he couldn't put his cape on and come back and, and, you know, automatically ride to the rescue. So there was certainly some frustration being, I mean, uh, being released if you, there. If you look at how the NBA adjudicates these situations, Ooh, adjudicate. LeBron, LeBron. That's that's McMahon's you know word. That's McMahon's, Mc, that's McMahon's Mc, word of the day. No, no. Oh, no, trust, trust me, me. I know that one. He knows that. He knows that. He's been he, he's been hearing adjudications. He's, he's been adjudicated many times. That's right. Yeah. If you look at how the NBA adjudicates these situations, LeBron's action started the incident, and he had a closed fist and hit Isaiah Stewart. And you put those two things together, that's why you got a game. And it makes sense. Why Isaiah wow. Stewart got more games because Isaiah Stewart acted more like a lunatic, right? Uh, it was very funny when the internet uh, synced up the Stone Cold Steve Austin music with him faking that he was fine and then storming back through. I mean, you cannot have you cannot have somebody acting like that in a game. And he also just did this recently, uh, you know, kind of went off after Blake Griffin hit him in a game against the Nets. So I get why they gave him two games, but I think it would have been very hard for the NBA to get away with not giving LeBron a game. I disagree. Based off of how he. What, what, what well, would have been hard, Tim? What would have been hard? I think, again, he he appeared to hit Isaiah Stewart with a closed fist in the face. Whether I I would I do not think he was trying to punch him in the face, but he did. He did hit him with a closed fist in the face. He didn't intend to punch him in the face, but right. he did punch him in the face. No, he, he, hit intended, him, he probably intended to Brian, punch him like in the in the. That's what started this throat. conversation, though. Like that's what the conversation's about. If but you're Dave, trying to get I a guy's think... arm off of you and you hit them, that's one yeah. thing. If and you punched, are trying to get a guy's, yeah. guess what? If you yeah. punch in an NBA game, period, you're hit, it's, you're putting yourself hit, at risk of suspension. He hit Isaiah Stewart above the shoulders with a closed fist. 
and he was they, ejected for it. That was what yes. was appropriate. That was he. He was appropriately ejected. What right. end of story? End Listen, of story. Look, Here, wait, here's on, the deal, though. If this if this had happened to any other player, basically in the league, okay, and they were not playing the Knicks on M on in MSG on national TV in the right. next game, everyone would have expected them to yeah. get a game suspension. The no, reason man. we're having this discussion. I don't think there's. Hold on. No, hold man. on a second. The reason we're having this discussion is because, as you both, you and Dave both have pointed out, LeBron has a very long track record of not having dirty plays in his career. And it's LeBron James. Yeah, and LeBron James getting ticket. suspended is a huge deal. And but that tells you, you, that tells you no, the, NBA, ahead, the NBA league office looked at this and said, man, there's no way we cannot. So, trust me, they, it pained them to have LeBron's one visit to Madison Square Garden not happen. And like Bontem said, on a national, national TV on game. On national TV, look, a good, like, they basically looked at this team. and they said, there's no way we can not suspend the guy. Basically, the perception will be that LeBron can do whatever the hell he wants and he's running the league unless we the players already can do whatever they want. And this is the problem. There is no standard. Now, maybe they are establishing a standard. The standards have been all over the place for the last two years. And since Kiki Vandeweghe left his post, the standards have been all over the place. Guys have, well, have, have I mean, hit other well, guys. Well, hold on. I mean, he left this summer. I would not. I would not say that the standards are all over the well, place over the past. Uh, the standards for suspensions are all over the place. There have been well, because Brian, many... you just defined how these suspensions are meted out. Well, didn't Markeith Morris start the incident with Nikola Jokic? He wasn't suspended. He also didn't draw like he didn't, six he did pounds not, of blood. He did not hit him in the head with a closed fist. That if you look, if you look over the past few years at incidents that have involved that, guys get suspended every time, pretty much. Give me uh, an also, also, Nikola Jokic gave Markeith Morris about a 10 game suspension. Well, generally, you don't see a lot of guys hitting people with a closed fist, but like I remember Serge, Serge Baca's had multiple of these where he's gotten suspended at different points in his career for hit, punching guys. Like, the bottom line is if you hit a guy above the head with a closed fist, that that's that's where the league is going to. That's like a trigger for the league on stuff. If you look at how they handle stuff, by the I, way, I mean, it is what, was what, the, it is what was the most entertaining part of the fight? Was it the Russell Westbrook, you know, fighting <laughs> Irish stance? That was no, amazing. it was Isaiah Stewart. It was Isaiah Stewart telling the everyone tackle was good, walking all the way back to the other end of the court. And then like a five-year-old trying to run around his parents to get the candy going. Now I'm going after them and sprinting back. The yeah, other no, five-year-olds aren't running mom and dad over. Like <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, right. I mean, that's why he had to get he had. I mean, I saw people saying, how could he get more games than LeBron? I mean, look, you yeah, cannot I, I you mean, cannot he, be you cannot be doing that on, on an NBA court. You cannot. No, no, he was that, he was, was, that was absurd. He definitely he was out of control. Now, Russ, though, was hilarious. Like, look, Russ, with Isaiah Stewart trucking people like that. Uh, uh, dude, you ain't. Uh, you better. You, you the one thing he did smart was he did his little. Ooh, I'm a fighter pose behind people. Yeah, I will say this. What do you think? Like Russell Westbrook's fighting style. I'm going to guess <laughs> he throws a ton of punches and doesn't land many. I'm I'm guessing it's a lot like his scoring <laughs> style. He is a volume puncher. Now I wouldn't want to fight him because he's going to land some. But uh, he didn't want to fight Isaiah Stewart looking like that. I just I wouldn't want to be messing with Isaiah Stewart, period, Not which is why all. he which is why he got multiple games. And, and I, I think that was that was fair, too. I mean, I, I, I thought it was fine the way the penalties went down. I, I thought, Dave, I wonder, a, I, I just Dave, thought it made sense. Dave, I wonder if LeBron had come out after the game and said, hey, I totally did not mean to bash him in the head. I was just trying to get his arm off of me. I apologize to him. 
which apparently is the, the, the way he felt. Um, I don't, I think um, it, it, there, there's a history that if you come out and show cons, uh, your contrition after the game, that, um, that, uh, that, that would, that might've helped it. And he, and he would have like made a public apology to him because I don't think he intended to bloody his face. He, um, you know, at the, at the moment of the injury tried to like sort of go over there and um, Isaiah got up angry, which I get, he had been bashed in the skull. So I get why he was angry in the moment, not two minutes later when he was being rampaging. But um, <laughs> I wonder if LeBron, I mean, because, you know, to me, you know, not talking to the media in that situation. I mean, obviously I, I, I wouldn't have been surprised if they told Isaiah Stewart to go home, if they didn't put him in the car and get him off the premises. I wasn't surprised. He didn't talk to the media. He might've done something wild. I thought LeBron could have talked to the media after the game and made a contrition there. It might've helped us. I mean, if that is the case, then it proves that this entire suspension process is just about optics because obviously they interviewed LeBron the league they investigated the incident lebron had an opportunity then to apologize or explain so well dave uh, well dave let's what, let me ask you what, well, no what, no so? i want to i want to ask you a question do you it it like so you think that if like i've i agree with you he was not meaning to do that right but if you you think that he shouldn't get suspended for punching a guy in the face and causing his face to get cut open like that mm. intentional or not Man. I mean, it's, I've it's, seen guys he, bloody he people's was, faces and not get suspended. Uh, let me ask he you this: kicked if, out of the game already, so it's like it's not. So he's yeah, but losing I stay, Isaiah Stewart hurt the Pistons more than LeBron leaving hurt the Lakers. I mean, those pesky Lakers, boy, they came back. What a what a valiant comeback that was by those pesky <laughs> Lakers. I tell you what, let me ask you this: if Alex Caruso threw that punch, would he be suspended? <laughs> I mean, if you can't, my point across the board, no matter if it was Taylor Horton Tucker or Austin Reeves or LeBron James, if you have not had a history of doing those type of things in this league and you can't prove that he intended to punch a guy in the face and he's already been kicked out of the game, so the punishment has already been handed over, I don't know why you have to have him miss another game. I don't know why Isaiah has to miss two games. Isaiah didn't throw a punch. Well, Isaiah, yeah, I, Isaiah I, completely I, lost so his I, mind. So I, so I give Isaiah one game, give LeBron zero, and keep him moving. Yeah, and you know what? I think the NBA could have been creative with the punishments. Like, if they really wanted to punish LeBron and not hurt the fans, they'd have said, okay, LeBron, you're playing in Madison Square Garden, but De- DeAndre Jordan has to start and play at least 35 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I will say this. DeAndre Jordan got in front of the charging bull. <laughs> was it was it uh, Wob that said the best defense DeAndre's played in years? <laughs> uh, I mean, he he was. I mean, I mean, real talk here. Like in that situation, like the Lakers' job, the players who are on the players and coaches who are on the court, their job is to protect LeBron. Oh, for sure. And uh, and DeAndre Jordan got out there. He earned Dude, his minimum I, deal on that one, boy. <laughs> I'm serious. Like he went out there and was like, "I'm going to get in the way of you and LeBron." And, uh, and frankly, like you don't want him getting involved with Westbrook because Westbrook will do crazy stuff and will get suspended. So, and also DeAndre squashed Jordan, like a bug by Isaiah Stewart. Well, if you I want to care. sacrifice anybody up who's not important to the Lakers, it is DeAndre Jordan. I think DeAndre Jordan should I, I, I thought you, get a gold thought, star. Gold star thought, for that. I'm serious. I thought Bontemps was about to take a little rust jab there. 
You disappoint <laughs> me again, Bontemps. <laughs> he's um, he's he's more important than DeAndre Jordan to the Lakers. I, I you know, and I also think that LeBron, you know, LeBron's never LeBron's always been a guy. He's only a couple times in his career I, I feel like he's truly shown any uh you know, one time was believe it or not against Spencer Hawes. Um, he went after Spencer Hawes uh, in a playoff game. Yeah, another time against Eric Spolstra. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, man. Um, there's, there's, there's only been a couple of times where LeBron has sort of stepped to a guy. Um, mostly his court have been the old hold me back. But I got to tell you, like LeBron wanted to stay away from Stewart, and I don't blame him. Well, what's he uh, going to do? Fight and get suspended for half the season? And Yeah, I mean, come on. Like Stewart loss is cool. LeBron is <laughs> wise enough to I'm know. Not like saying, I'm not fight, saying he wanted to get in a fight. Happen. He didn't want to, you know, he didn't want to. I mean, they, when they were chest to chest, Stewart just yelled at him. Okay. Then he got the rampage later on, but you know, he kept getting madder and madder. I mean, the blood started pouring out of his face when his blood pressure went up. I mean, <laughs> I don't need to be a, a doctor to figure that out. Like, you know, and I, so, I spoke to someone close to Isaiah who told me that one of the uh, subsequent uh, charges that he made was when he realized that he was bleeding. Like at first, he didn't even yeah. recognize what was going on. And then uh, he became aware of the blood, which caused him to want to confront again. Well, and he is he is a, he is by all accounts a really great kid. But between this and the Blake Griffin incident recently, um, you know, he's got a bit of he's earning a bit of a reputation for losing his cool in these types of situations. And, you know, I, I certainly think, um, you know, hopefully this is sort of the end of that because he is a, a pretty, a pretty nice young player for the Pistons. And, um, you know, you don't want to become known as a guy who's, you know, getting involved in situations like this. You also forward. don't want beef with Stu. I mean, that is also true. He is not a guy to be messed with. Put it mildly. Well, the, the interesting thing is they, Kind of like um, you know the the Nuggets play the Heat again next week. Um, or I think it's a early next week. I Sometime soon, yeah. And then um, the Lakers, Lakers play the Pistons next week. Though. Right. So there's two quick turnarounds here. I don't anticipate there being much of an issue here. In fact, I I would suspect when the interviews come out that LeBron will. Uh, well, I, I don't know for sure, but I suspect he'll be contrite. I'm sure he's not happy about the suspension. I wouldn't be. He also will not be happy about losing 300,000 because even if he's got hundreds of millions, LeBron's not about losing 300,000. Um, so I guarantee that he was pissed off about that. Um, but uh, um, I don't think that would much of an issue. Now, the Lakers or the Nuggets heat, that could be a different situation. There was a lot of bad feelings about that. And the fact that Markeith Morris looks like he got significantly injured with that hit. Um, is probably not helped the situation. Yeah, so. but you but know Yo what? If, if Jokic got one game for that, same yeah. for LeBron. Yeah, well, you know what? A guy after he had already gotten in a scuffle with Cameron Payne in the playoffs, another cheap play. Well, okay, no. First of all, if you take a cheap shot at a guy like Markeith Morris did, don't immediately turn your back. Okay, it's like Mac Ten. When I when I mouth off to you and I call you like Mac Ten seed or whatever, I don't turn my back because I'm ready for it. <laughs> You can't like that's the you can't like, oh, wow, I was so innocent. My back was turned bull crap. You took a cheap shot in the guy's ribs when you were getting your butt kicked late in the game. Then you want to act surprised that he's mad. 
Like Markeith Morris, you asked for trouble, especially against us. Don't turn you. you, He made it worse on himself, especially Especially against against an Eastern European. Yeah, don't do it to a Serbian. So if you you compare, relitigate that one, then you're saying Morris should have gotten more punishment, not Jokic. No, I would say no. I'm saying Jokic delivered the punishment. I I mean, justice (laughs) was served. I would say if you, I would say if you look at that situation compared to this one, Jokic escalated the situation as Isaiah Stewart escalated the situation. He got a game. Markeith got none. In this case, LeBron got one. Isaiah got two. I think that. Well, I think if really, you, I, but I think that's what's the, the difference. The what's the difference between what Markeith and LeBron did? Both of them were cheap shots. Markeith uh, hit Jokic in the shoulder with his elbow and LeBron hit Isaiah Stewart in the face with his fist. Well, and, and look, Marquise is he's he again, he got his suspension. It was just because he, he got hurt. And then I don't I'd have to do math, which God knows I'm not good at. But his fifty thousand dollar fine, I'm guessing, is more than equivalent to uh, the money that LeBron's getting getting hit with. That, might, that, that may be true. I thought that's yeah, no, what no, LeBron, the, I thought LeBron would get an additional fine, not suspended. But if but by the way, but Bontemps, if this is the way they're going to be now, then I'm going to hold them to it. If they're going to say that you can hit somebody with a cheap shot without hitting them with the fist, and it's just a fine, not a suspension, I'm going to write that down right over here. And if you hit somebody with a closed fist and it is a suspension, why are you going to write that hotel room? I'm not. It doesn't make any sense. (laughs) I'm just. I'm not trying to say that. Like the. I'm not trying to relitigate the Markeith Morris punishment or whether. I I mean, that was that I thought was a really dirty play, but ultimately. If you over time, they're like you. The closed fist thing is like a red line for them. So when I saw him, when I saw LeBron hit him like that, he did immediately turn around and go, man, it clearly looked like you said I didn't mean to do that. And I'm sure he didn't mean to try to punch him in the face. But when he did that, I I thought that had a good chance of being a game. So I was not okay. surprised. It's game. And I think is, if it was anybody it- else. It, we wouldn't really be having this discussion about it. J- just for my wall here, is closed fist worse than an, <laughs> worse than an elbow? Closed fist is worse than an elbow. Because I've I, seen guys bring, 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 your, bring you, your face over here. Let's do it. I think if you asked, I think <laughs> if you, I think, I think if you asked the league, they would say yeah. Okay. Mm, boy, I is, honestly, is the, does it matter if it's the heel of the fist versus the knuckles <laughs> of the fist? Because it was but the heel I, of the fist. I'm not. I, I'm not making the punishments here. I just. I'm just going off of the way they've. They've got like you. I will say they would enjoy that job way too much, Tim. If you had it, <laughs> yeah, you elbow it's somebody it's in the face. I think job. you're getting you're getting at least a game as well. Like if you elbow somebody in the face and draw blood, you're going to get a game. Yeah, I mean that very well. That very well could happen too. But um, you know, I'm in, in honor of of uh, Carmelo, if you hit, if you go above playing, the shoulders, no, go ahead. Sorry, Dave. I was just saying, if, in honor of Carmelo Anthony and the Lakers playing at Madison Square Garden tonight, can we uh, discuss the worst? most inappropriate suspension in league history or mellow barely I barely that was the, 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 yeah with marty collins got 15 game suspension 15 games <laughs> do you guys I remember that back. 15 I games no, I yeah i remember i did i i didn't know Mar- I, didn't know Mello, I didn't know mellow could backpedal that quickly Mello could have helped up the orange you know that by watching transition Saturday. defense league was still, again it was wow okay i knew that was, uh, <laughs> the, the league was still so afraid of his own shadow 
coming after the Detroit Pistons, Indiana Pacers incident that they decided that's what they needed to do. And in this case, the league is afraid of the perception that LeBron runs it. Yeah. They felt like this is what they needed to do. That's what it really is happening here, guys. Well, yeah, but they felt like it was so blatantly obvious that they couldn't get away with not suspending. I him. think if I think to your point, Dave, if Talon Horton Tucker was the one who hit Isaiah Stewart in the face with in the, if it just transposed them out, if it's Talon Horton Tucker who makes that play and the same thing happens, I think he gets a game suspension and everybody goes, yeah, that makes sense and moves on. Yeah. And I don't think we're having this discussion now. I think it's fair that that is a diff. It's different because LeBron does have a very long track record, and he is LeBron James. They are playing the Lakers on national TV today. All those Thanks. things I think are true, but I, I I think that the reason we're having this discussion is because it's LeBron involved. I think if it was virtually anybody else in the league, nobody would have really batted an eye at him getting the game. Personally, I will say this: I was uh, I was out on the court with the um, with the Nets pregame uh, Monday night. Um, Durant and uh, Harden were out there doing the pregame shooting when the news of the suspension came down and um, everybody passed the news around really quick. Um, and there were people on the court who were surprised that the league spent suspended LeBron for that. Yeah. But oh, I think a lot LeBron. of people were surprised. I think a lot of people were surprised LeBron got suspended. Yeah. I would also agree with that for sure. What, what are we calling that interaction? I, I, I labeled the uh, Gobert miles Turner thing, a kerfuffle. So somebody else referred to as a hootenanny, which I thought was more appropriate, <laughs> actually. Well, so what what was the LeBron Isaiah Stewart thing? If I went with time in Fracas, Fracas. Okay, I was going to say brouhaha. I think Fracas is a I mean, with your time in reform school. You're the one who should be labeling these sorts of situations. I think so. It was a character development school. <laughs> has anyone? Have you guys all punched someone in the face? I don't think I've ever punched anyone in the face. My brothers and I got in some. Some scuffles in the day. Scuffles. I don't know if any. I don't think any <laughs> closed fists punching. I have punched you know people in the face, not in twenty five years. Um, <laughs> I, I've also I've I've broken my hand multiple times punching people in the actually twice twice is multiple, but punching yeah, people multiple. in the face. Wow! Wow! So um, least surprising development of the entire. Podcast. Some people have a glass jaw. I've got a glass right hand. <laughs> so I assume that you did some damage if you broke your hand. Uh, the the first was at Old Hilltop hand? Park at Hilltop you Park. You should have seen the other guy. No, <laughs> Mac said you'll appreciate this. The dude stole my <laughs> Nike Air Assaults. They were like snake skin on the you know snake skin and and white and red Nike Air Assaults. Dude stole them out of my locker. Then and you then, you would and wore, and then yeah, well then wore them to school. So dude, you can't stand for that. You got to meet at Hill Hilltop Park after school. And I will say I got the best of that one. But uh, my base. Did you get your shoes back? Over. But yeah, I got my shoes back. Did get my shoes back. He done some skateboarding in them and scuffed them up a bit, but I got them back. I follow like 15 sneaker accounts on Instagram. My favorite meme of the Isaiah Stewart incident was when you see the FedEx delivery guy wearing your sneakers. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good, too. Yeah. Tim, we should get, can we get uh, the guy you punched in the face uh, on the pod? I must say I have not had any interactions with that gentleman in about 30 years. Um, I, there, I, we could get a guy that I've punched in the face on the pod. I'm sure. I was going to say, but if not, Brian not, was, was, was worth his, uh, his salt as a host, he would Maury Povich this thing and bring on the guy right now. <laughs> Tim McMahon, guess who we have? Special guest. 
um all right dave well thank you so much for coming on enjoy your holiday and uh i hope there's no more uh uh fight coverage actually do i hope that i'm just saying that no i hope there is more. no we don't want more fight coverage we don't need need that we want people playing basketball sport it doesn't need french clearing bras it doesn't need hockey where they allow the guys to fight as part of the damn game let's clean it up let's go back playing whoa everybody's frustrated in laker land thank you david yep speaking of punchable faces here he comes for the ones who get it done ranger offers high quality supplies and solutions for every industry as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call or click ranger.com or just stop by. Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore a seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA. Jolly old knee-jerk Nick Friedel. Our next special guest on this Thanksgiving special is Nick Friedel joining us from San Francisco. Where he's another graduate of the school where he's planning the parade on Saturday. Guy was scouting lottery picks to start the season. Now he's planning the Warriors parade. Where did this come from? Hey, what are you talking about? Where did this come? Where from? did you pull? Oh, well, you're planning the parade. When did that ever happen? I listened to you. You, you absolutely have dreamed this one up. No, no, no. I listened to you. Stuff I listened to you. out there in Dallas. I'm sure. McMahon, McMahon, where you are? What's the what? What's the big what? There's the laugh. What's the bigger L, McMahon? Uh, Hughes losing to Colgate on Saturday, or Friedel's Warriors take for the season? What's the bigger? Well, L? I gotta tell you, I mean, I thought they were gonna be a four seed. It's still possible. I, I love that. Like it's turned into oh, they they were never gonna be any good. I thought they were like the four seed in the they West. They were calling you Eeyore on on the low post pod, and instead of Jackass, which is already taken by Wendy. <laughs> It's just, it's just, I started, I started hearing my phone started going off band is all over you. And I'm like, what the hell did he say now that, that I had them in the, in the lottery? I mean, that's just complete. You BS. had the, you had the Warriors Rockets rivalry being refreshed <laughs> and fighting for the first pick in the draft. No, 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 no You no, should no. be absolutely ashamed of your, I what hope I, what personally, I, what, I hope what you I personally apologize to Steve Kerr, oh, you Steph Curry, Draymond Green. I had Juan Steph Tano as the Anderson. MVP. <laughs> I mean, like, Steph is the MVP, but, but yeah, they, they weren't going into the playoffs. Sure. Oh, okay. <laughs> that makes total sense. They have exceeded my expectations for sure, but here, here's another little 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 treat they've exceeded their own expectations i don't think anybody in that entire room thought they would be 15 and 2 17 oh you mean they didn't think they were going back to 14 15 this season nick yeah i i mean this is this is an awesome ride that the warriors are on to start 
And certainly, while I thought there was a chance they could be maybe the four or five seed, I never thought they were going to be the best team in the West a month in. But as Draymond pointed out the other night, guys, this is a team that still hasn't played that many people. They haven't been on the road that much. Mm. Everybody's focused on that win in Brooklyn. They should be because it was dominant. But let's go back to the next couple months and see where they're at after that. But give me a break. You goofball, McMahon. I never, never said yeah. They're, they're we need to just pull. We can pull else. clips. We can pull clips. Pull them. Pull you had a clips. microphone. You had a microphone in front of your face. Pull, pull, pull all is, the clips pod. you want. You're never going to find that. That I was like, ah, you know, I, I don't think they're going to the playoffs. I did not think they were going to be this good. More power to them that they are. And Clay, you and didn't think they were going to win 15 games all season long. Oh, hey, hey, up. hey, Win- hey, Windhorse. Remember last week when you uh, you you shouted that it was your pod and took control? I, I think you, you might know, need to take he, the wheel me, back from Ben McMahon, who is just well, look, going on an unbelievable rant here. You know, my my job in, in my career is I, I sort of analyze and tell you what's going on. Let me tell you what's going on here. What's going on is that Bontemps, he went to Bonaventure. <laughs> and he, you know, Bonaventure has an inferiority complex against Ooh. Syracuse. Okay. Well, Syracuse just lost to Colgate and we've got McMenamin on the pod. Bontemps is going after him. We got Friedel, another Syracuse guy on the pod. Bontemps feeling chesty because his Bonnies are like really good. He is going after him. But Bontemps doesn't know is our producer Jackson also went to Syracuse. So he's oh, really, oh, I know. Oh, I no, 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 no. I know in, really in the comments. In the comments before, uh, in the comments before, while we were on, Jackson was talking about how if Isaiah Stewart had gone to Syracuse instead of Washington as a Rochester, New York native, uh, Jimmy Beheim would have kept him in line. I was well aware of Jackson's uh, allegiance yeah. to the queue. So I was just giving him, I was just keeping him out of the firing line because he's a nice guy. So I was just going yeah. after these other guys. Are you That's saying Fredell's not? Uh, I just I just wanted to get the laugh track going. That's all. I figured he I figured it would get a chuckle out of him. Instead, you were railing on him too much. So he had to defend himself. I didn't get so the laugh Nick, I was looking for. Nick, I got a I got a laugh the other night when Draymond had that press conference. Who did they beat on Sunday? Um, Toronto, Toronto. And he sort of gives this soliloquy. He it was it, it was after questions. You know, Draymond is typically really good in um, in press conferences. So I always appreciate that. Um, but he was talking about, you know, how he wanted to get back to being an all-star defensive player of the year. Um, and it was so, Which, by the way, a month into the season, he's going to win that award. If uh, as right, we don't give awards a month into the season, but, uh, Mac 10 had uh, mellow one in six man of the year. <laughs> <laughs> Where did mellow go to school? <laughs> did you, did, by the as way, I said earlier, hear- he might've helped against Colgate on Saturday. Yeah, I, I'm glad you repeated that because in the middle of that, I mean, we have too many people on this podcast, but I'm allowing it because it's Thanksgiving. I'm trying to get a little levity. I'm trying to get a little levity. Um, uh, but Bontemps we need some levity after that that difficult discussion about LeBron being suspended for the first half an hour. We have to get we have to get the laugh track on to create right. some some levity here. Anyway, so Nick Draymond is giving the soliloquy about how he thinks he he wants to be an All Star again. He wants to be. Um, uh, you know, defensive player of the year. And he, he's kind of, you know, just a little bit beating his chest going, you guys thought I was done. People were criticizing me. You know, he was sort of having a moment, but at the, in the within the same soliloquy, without taking a question, within the same thing, he said, well, you know, the last two years I played like bleep. <laughs> right. And we're like, that's why people were saying that about you, Draymond, because you played like bleep. So I'm glad that, now that we have that, 
you know, on the table. Now we can talk about how you're playing this year. That was quite the Draymond moment. And that was an acknowledgement of which anybody who had watched the last couple seasons could tell you, but hearing it from him was a little different. But B, that that's another example of why this team is feeling so good about itself in the last few weeks, and they should be. <laughs> because for as much as we can focus on Steph and we don't give awards out a month in, but I'm with Timmy B. Not only would Draymond be the defensive player of the year, but Steph would be the MVP right now. Uh, he's, so, he's that good. Uh, but the, the difference is that the reason the Warriors are have started the way they have is because of Draymond. He's been the engine defensively. He's been unbelievable coming off that gold medal winning performance in Tokyo with T Team USA. He's in shape. I thought the funniest thing to me, guys, was that Draymond the other day on top of saying, hey, I didn't play well the last couple of years, and my kids haven't really seen me play good <laughs> in a few seasons, is he's like, I've really stopped drinking. He's like, I, I, I went after it pretty hard, and when we would get off the plane on road trips, I would be creaking down the stairs, and, and it would be hurting. And now oh I'm God. bouncing up the stairs, and I'm running down, and I'm ready to roll. So he is in great shape. He's in a great mood, which I think is is also very, very important. And the reality is all these guys are feeling great about their chances because they know Clay Thompson is coming back in a few weeks. And that jolt emotionally has been huge for this group whose expectations in the first six weeks of the season for where they could be at the end have changed. Well, look, Draymond, Draymond was the author, one of my favorite uh, quotes in recent years about the league when he talked about the difference between 82 game players and 16 game players, right? And Draymond is sort of is sort of the ultimate 16 game player in that when you look at where the league has gone with his ability to play at center in that death lineup, that was the thing that turned Golden State into the juggernaut that it's been. And now they're back to doing that with the group that they have. But like you said, Nick, the last couple of years, Draymond's a very smart guy. He knew the Warriors really didn't have a chance mm -hmm. to be a 16 game team. And so he didn't really put in the same kind of effort that he is now. And you go back, like we talked about in the pod last week, you and I were both at that game in Brooklyn. He was running around like an absolute whirly dervish, Garden awesome. Durant, tipping balls everywhere, causing fast breaks. Like just, he was all over the place on the court. And his energy level, like you said, his activity and energy level and engagement, like Steph is, has been dominant, but Draymond has always been the engine of that team. And you look at, the way he's playing, you know, he smells it and sees it. And they're all following along behind those two guys. And, you know, like you said, it's like we got in a time machine and went back to 2014-15 and they're rolling along again. Yeah, and bringing Iguodala back is, is a huge part of that too. And, you know, just from afar. I, I didn't even think, I, I thought nothing of that. I thought, okay, they're bringing him back. He yeah, was like, beyond done in Miami. Great. He looks completely revitalized great. playing in that system at Golden State. It's it's unbelievable how much better he looks. We should right throw now. this in, though, as far as Andre goes. He's missed the last three games with a sore knee. Yeah. That is, that is not a good sign when you're 37 and you have that many miles in the game. They've been trying as hard as they can to give him off days, give him practice time off. But when you have a random sore knee and it's it's kept you out for almost a, a week's time now, it's something to keep an eye on because, Timmy, you are 100% right. 
if you are picking somebody who is not Steph or Draymond, and the reason why this team has been playing the way that they have, any one of those guys in that locker room says, Andre Gudala being on the floor is the ultimate safety net. And he's teaching all these younger kids where to be and how they need to play in this system. He is beloved by his teammates. He is beloved by the coaches. And he can still have an impact off the floor. But when he's on the floor, right. it is that much more important. You know, it's crazy because we're talking about Draymond being as dominant as he's been defensively. You know, so we're discussing one of the all-time great defensive players playing at a, a peak level. And then if you just look and, you know, stats don't always tell the whole story, but if you just look at defensive rating, it's their bench guys that are the best. Like Draymond's outstanding. Don't get me wrong. But it's their bench guys. I mean, we, dude, Iguodala, Gary Payton II, um, Kaminga. I mean, they, dude, their bench. Like, there's it's these guys are just not fun to play against. Jordan Poole is another guy who has gotten better in the last, I'd say, year. And to see the leap that he's made from his rookie year where he was awful to now where he is confidently dropping 30 points a game without breaking much of a sweat, he is exactly the type of player they're going to need when Clay does come back to be that offensive booster mm -hmm. from the bench. And when you have Poole and you have Damian Lee, he played really well to start the year. He hasn't played as well lately, but he, he's been solid. Uh, Juan Toscano-Anderson hasn't really played that much this season, but go back to that game in Cleveland the other night, uh, and, and he really made a difference late. So you have all these guys who know how to play alongside the Stephs and the Draymonds and Iguodala's and the veterans like Porter and Bialica, they have also had some solid performances along the way, and they all know where to be. So you have a deep, deep team that starts to believe in itself even more when you're seeing Steph knock down 30-footers and Draymond playing at the level defensively that he's at. And everybody starts to look around and go, wow, we really may be this good. And it, it's probably the biggest surprise of the, the season so far. And again, there's all these whispers about people who've watched him shoot, people around the Warriors. There's these whispers about Clay. People are whispering. And I'm going to keep my expectations very low. We're talking about a guy who has missed a year and a half with two awful injuries. Or two years. I mean, I guess the injury, yeah. the first injury happened in the in June of 19. So yeah. two years. So I'm going to keep my expectations very low. I think that's fair to him. But having said that, you have not been around this league talking to people without hearing about what people are saying about Clay. And obviously, well, and all he's got to do is all he's got to do is be better than Damian Lee in all seriousness to make an impact on the team. Like if he comes back at 80% or better than what he was before, like then, you know, that's a scary move. But just to upgrade their roster, if he's just a solid wing who hits some threes for them and plays a little defense, that's a pretty significant upgrade on where they're at right well, now. And, I mean, and, and they don't need him to be that guy on Christmas Day or in January or in February. Like, if it's a slow ramp up and he's 80% of himself come playoff time, that's a huge bonus. Nick, how much have you seen of him? How much have you seen him work? A little bit, because what's happened a few times is that when practice has ended, Clay wants to be out of the spotlight away from any cameras that may be down there and he's been 
getting his workout in on the Chase Center floor. And for those who haven't been there yet, the Warriors in their new building, they have a practice facility downstairs, and then they have the the game floor that you see on TV day-to-day upstairs. And so Clay goes and works out with a handful of assistants. And most of that has been to this point uh, a lot of one-on-zero on work. But as Steve Kerr told us last week, the five-on-five five is here. I think the practice time is is coming and it's only going to be a few more weeks. And when you watch him be, he looks like the same guy. Now, how that translates once games start and once he's going to have to play defense at uh, a, a very high level if they want to go far in the postseason, we'll see. But when you watch him run up and down the floor and you're watching him take the shots from all over the place and knock them down, he looks like the Clay Thompson of old. And that's why the optimism that you were referring to internally is there because – the Warriors personnel are seeing the same things day by day by day. They're seeing the consistency from Clay that we're used to seeing, but everybody knows that it's going to be different once the intensity of a real NBA game starts. But all signs to this point have been very positive. And in the brief moments of time where I've been able to watch him, you wouldn't notice a difference in the way in which he's going up and down the floor. So I was around the Nets uh, this last day or so, um, and uh, you know, like you were talking about Iguodala, I can't believe how much Lamarcus Aldridge is helping them. Mm-hmm. Um, he Long had a saw this coming. Uh, yes, he had a, he had a, he had a double double on uh, on Monday night, and you know they actually struggled to beat the Cavs without the Cavs are missing their best player. It wasn't the greatest. Um, uh, vote of confidence for the Nets, but they still won. Um, Blake Griffin not looking good right now, but but Aldridge Blake looks, Griffin looks, looks done though. Um, Aldridge looks really good, helping them way. Like again, when they signed him, I was like, okay, that's good. You know, we'll see. Um, that's what I thought about Iguodala. Aldridge is really helping them. And um, since I know you've been around the Nets a little bit, Nick, um, you, know, you talk about some surprises that they've got. One of the surprises on the on the Nets right now, and I think. <laughs> It's funny, but it's also revealing. Uh, this rookie they got, Cam Thomas. So um, he can play. And I'm going to tell you, Durant really likes him. And if Durant likes you, you're going to get more of a chance. And I think they're going to get a four year, $40 million contract. <laughs> That's right. And then get bought out. That's right. Um, and then go be security for the Lakers. Um, it was uh, It was a. Um, he had a he had a good game on Monday. He had a forty six point game in the in the G League over the weekend. Which, you know, when the, the when the roster guys come down to the G League, they run every play for him. But still, you got to put it in the basket. So I, I called that the, about it. The JJ Barea D League test going back to the Fort Worth Flyers. It, when JJ was a rookie, they sent him down there for two games. He had forty and thirty five. If you're an NBA player, you get sent down there. You dominate. Cam Thomas played against. Player. To make fun of Bonaventure for a second, Cam Thomas played against us in the first round of the tournament last year, and I think scored nine thousand points in, in a game where they LSU drilled us in the first round. So he, uh, I don't, I don't know how much fun he necessarily is to play with because he likes to shoot and isn't yes, isn't so does. much about passing, but uh, but he definitely knows how to score. But no they, but you know, that. Durant wants wants guys to shoot, and you know, Joe Harris is hurt right now, and um, you know, uh, 
there's some belief in the league that if the Nets want to up, it's not, it doesn't even need sourcing. If you look at analysis on the roster, if the Nets had to make a trade, the player that they have that they could trade that has value that could get them pieces in return is Joe Harris. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and so, but you can't move Joe Harris unless you have a really good shooter to play on the perimeter there. And I'm telling you, watch out for this kid, Cam Thomas. And so last night after the game, now Cam Thomas is listed at 6'3". I'm not, I'll give him the benefit that he's 6'3". It's kind of hard to judge when you're around a bunch of tall guys because, um, but he's, he's, he's a lot shorter than Durant. He's seven, six or seven inches shorter than Durant. Maybe more. Well, then and if so, he's at, then you're saying six. He's, six. he's, yeah, he's a lot shorter. He, I think he's okay. a lot shorter right. than that even. All right. Well, stand next to Durant. He looks like he's a foot shorter. If you want the truth, but according to the um, to the to the roster, he's you know he's seven inches shorter. I think it's more than that. Okay, so he comes in after the game and says nonchalantly, "Yeah, I beat uh, KD in one on one this morning," <laughs> and I was like, "The hell you did!" I mean, like, like I, I mean, uh, he does not lack for confidence. Mr. Uh, that is for sure. So, uh, you know, but I was like, I, you know, he, he said this in front of the cameras, like, you know, he's announcing this, but he said it like it was nothing. Yeah. I beat him this morning. A one-on-one I'll beat him again. So Katie comes in like about 10 minutes later. And as Katie's walking in the room, he doesn't even wait to sit down. He's like, I heard cam Thomas came in here and say, he beat me one-on-one. I want you to know I beat him 13 to five. In fact, now that I think about it, it was 15 to five. And from here on forward, I'm going to have a running total and I'm going to give you updates throughout the season. It's 15, five right now. We're not going to reset the score. It's going to keep going. <laughs> and then tomorrow it's going to be 25 to five. And, uh, and while that was all funny and everything, and by the way, I believe it. Uh, I, I mean, maybe, maybe cam is getting some baskets on him, but he is not winning against Durant one-on-one. Um, he's also not much about playing defense, Mr. Thomas. So well, okay. I don't think he's going to be stopping Kevin Durant. It was a fun, it was a fun little thing, but my takeaway from that is Durant really likes him. Durant wouldn't be messing with him like that. Yeah. There's been a lot of, there's been a lot of stuff on social media of him working out with, uh, Harden and Durant over the past By the few way, months. As a quick aside, one of my favorite memories from any of my time ever covering the NBA was USA basketball in 2014. Um, they were getting ready for the uh, world championships in Spain. And they had a week in Vegas where they practiced. And after practice for two or three days in a row, Kevin Durant, Paul George, and James Harden would play each other in successive one-on-one games. It was awesome. McMahon, what are they, what do, what do you call, I mean, it's like a, you know, we would have called the king of the mountain when I was a kid. But, you know, you play the guy one-on-one and then the winner stays on the court and the other guy comes out. This was when Harden was just ascending to, mm-hmm. like, MVP. He was already a stud, but he was ascending to that MVP level. Paul George, unfortunately, later that week broke his leg. Paul George was at the peak of his powers. And Durant was obviously an MVP already. Watching those guys compete, I mean, and, like, this was no BS after practice. Let's just not break a sweat. They were working. And I'm telling you, you could have sold pay-per-view <laughs> to that 30 minutes and you could have gotten millions. I mean, watching that was some of the most amazing stuff I've ever seen, but that's a digression about one-on-one. 
I think uh, Brooklyn, um, uh, as we go forward here in a in a reality without Kyrie, like <laughs> they're leaning heavily on the Marcus Aldridge and Cam Thomas right now. I mean, they they're leaning heavy heavily on the Marcus Aldridge, but come playoff time. I think how much he plays is going to be very matchup dependent. We got a very clear preview of that. When how many, how much did he play against the Warriors? Well, when he was out there, he was a human target uh, target dummy for them in pick and roll. I mean, they just attacked him relentlessly. And, and, and he didn't well. he didn't play until the third quarter, I believe. Yeah, second half. Yep. I mean, so I, I think that you know because of obvious defensive limitations that there's going to be potentially some playoff matchups where he's a non-factor and that's tough when he's one of your best players the the weirdest part about watching that team last week because i saw that warriors game with timmy b and then i stayed and watched the Cavs game and both those teams are hurt Cavs played them in cleveland this week and in brooklyn last week just that i mean b that that first Cavs nets game in brooklyn was probably the worst game i've watched all year it was horrible well, you've been watching the Warriors. I mean, it's hard. Well, that, to, yeah, your, is, your standard is way too high. That is Bob, true, Bob Timms watched <laughs> Celtics Rockets last night. He ain't playing the there's, there's a lot of there's a lot of bad basketball going on at times. But but I say that because when you watch that Brooklyn team, and understandably, Joe Harris is out. Who the hell knows what's going to happen with Kyrie? They, they're dealing uh, with some other injuries. It was like, okay, is Kevin's going to score? all right is is james gonna get to the basket and score okay and then you're like well what else is gonna happen and can you really count on the marcus aldridge night after night after night especially in the context of our conversation in a playoff series it just it looked like such a flawed team and having not been able to see them a lot so far this year because of how well the warriors have done i'm looking at that team and trying to remind myself, okay, it's November. They got plenty of time. And B, to your point, they can make a move or two and, and things can change. But when you watch that team, they are so heavily dependent on Kevin and Harden. And and those two are unbelievable, especially Durant. But it just looks like a team that is a piece short. And we know what the piece could be. But even more, if you make a move, even if you move somebody else on that roster – I just don't feel like watching that group right now that they are going to get to that place where they need to be. They need well, James Harden to be an MVP right. caliber player. And, I, and he's not I, that. I, well, I will say, but can I will he say work this. his way into shape and stay healthy and be that guy later in the season going to the playoffs? That's the question. Because, look, Durand is obviously, you know, he's a legit MVP candidate. Harden has been better in November than he was in October, but he's still not – you know, he's not the guy that we've watched for the last eight, 10 years. Well, they've won 11 of their last 13. And Harden has four double digit free throw games in his last six. Although yeah. Monday night when I was there, he wasn't getting the calls and he was complaining about it. He only got four free throws. Um, despite the fact that they have been pretty banged up um, with role players, plus Kyrie, obviously. Um, so, there's positive positives of going there. The problem is, is that they get the, they get wiped by the, just wiped off the floor by the warriors. And it's, it's a little sobering. 
So and meanwhile, and meanwhile, the Bucks were doubling up Nick's Orlando Magic in the third quarter last night with uh, their full complement of players. And now that they're finally healthy, uh, at least except for uh, Brooke Lopez, who's still out with his back issue, um, they uh, they're looking awfully, awfully good. And if I'm the Nets, I'm looking over at them saying, you know, we if, if we got to assume at this point, we're not going to have Kyrie from the Nets. You got to find a way to get some more pieces ahead of the playoffs because that Bucks team looks awfully good. Hashtag analysis. How in the world did the Knicks lose twice at the Garden to the Magic? <laughs> because the Knicks, the Knicks starting lineup, oh. if you look at like, look at lineup numbers and we've got the machine popping in here. So the machine is well aware of this. The Knicks starting lineup, you throw it in there, it's like Knicks starting lineup, Rockets starting lineup. I mean, that's how bad they are in terms of like net rating, plus, minus, all that kind of. The Knicks starting lineup is absolutely atrocious. It's amazing. And the Magic starting lineup is like weirdly good together, isn't it? <laughs> Mo Bamba, it, baby. Mo it, Bamba's it has been, calling. It has been weirdly good. Uh, it has been weirdly good. Cole Anthony has been very good for them. This well, year. they didn't have they didn't have Cole Anthony last night, and they got beat by a million and six. That is true. Fredell, why are you just giggling and laughing? I'm with my serious, friends. This is serious have you, have basketball you, have discussion. You, have, you, have you met Fredell? All right. Thank you to Nick Friedel for joining us. Nick, have a good holiday. We'll see you soon. I miss you guys. See you later. You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes, catch the clutch hitch, strikeouts, grand salamis, web gems with nothing on your roof. So who's ever up there, whether it's the roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, you name it, they won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, root, root with nothing on your roof. Yes, stream your team. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit DirecTV.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyeho Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Take care. Joining us now from Seattle. We put him on last because it's early out there and the machine has to charge overnight. <laughs> we, also had to have an, we also had to have an adult come in the room after the last two chats. So yeah, we, it's been a little bit real serious. It's been a little bit rough, Kevin Pelton. Um, there's been some some Syracuse um, Bonaventure stuff going on here. Yeah, I got I got some of it on the phone yesterday. I, I get it residually because Mike Hopkins is from Syracuse, but I, I don't protest it because UW men's basketball has not not been very good the last few seasons. What about Isaiah also a lot Stewart? of beef? I was going to say a lot of beef stew talk. I Washington guy. Yeah, I, I just hope that uh, people don't think of him as primarily a fighter as opposed to a guy who's playing playing pretty well. I think that ship has sailed, but <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> In the public consciousness, I don't. I don't know how much Pistons basketball the the rest of the world is watching. 
Yeah, I don't know how much Pistons basketball Detroit is watching, but that's okay. Well, uh, KP, um, according to Bontemps, well, Bontemps, why, um, why was I in trouble? I can't remember. <laughs> I'll let Kevin answer that. I, I, I believe you did say that PR was the only way we had of. All right. Well, that was. Uh, oh yeah, <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> and I would like that. I would like to take full credit for defending your nerdy honor right here on this podcast. <laughs> I don't. I don't look at um, social media mentions. So you guys can say whatever you want to me, whether it's positive or negative. Trust me, I'm not going to see it. I haven't looked at a Twitter mention in like seven or eight years. Um, but but that was I was obviously a misstatement, Pelton. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't. I mean, I certainly can't tell you the component that goes into warp, but I'm I'm aware of its existence. I it was a misstatement. It was not because of ignorance, but you were warping the reality of the NBA statistical <laughs> realm. You know, I I don't make an assumption that all of our listeners know what PER is. Um, so. By the way, for our to... listeners, for our listeners who don't know what PER is, they should go buy Seth Partnow's book, Midrange Theory, which came out last week, and I wrote the forward to, which I meant to say on the pod last week, and I forgot. It's a great book. How many like was it one big run on sentence the forward? It was not. It, it must have been heavily edited. I'm I'm still waiting for my copy. I haven't seen. I read an advanced copy back over the summer, but. Your, uh, your forward wasn't in there, so I still haven't seen that yet. Yeah, they're probably still deciding whether they were going to actually have it in the book or not, which is an understandable <laughs> move. Uh, but, but to go back to the actual point, uh, one of the things that's happened is PER, uh, it tends at this point to really favor big men in particular. So Jokic and I think Giannis last year are the two highest scores of all time. And it seems unlikely to me that those are actually the two best seasons of all time. If you go through the PAR leaderboard, it's like 10 of the top 18 are centers at this point. And that's one of those things that, you know, was designed in by John Hollinger, uh, our, our colleague back in the late nineties when the game was played totally differently. And, you know, this is true of a lot of metrics. Win shares, which is also on basketball reference, has the same issue where it tends to favor big men. And so so does my wins above replacement player metric. But the adjustment that I made to it a couple of years ago is to use a different replacement level for players based on their position. So when you adjust for that, you know, I think Nikola Jokic has probably still been the best player in the league on a per minute basis this season, but it's not as extreme a gap with Steph Curry as it might look in some of those advanced metrics. Well, I would. Yep. My only point was Jokic was having a great season and maybe like maybe the best season he's ever had, and I was just calling attention to that fact. Since... You, you you know, Wendy as the as the longtime president of the uh, Nikola Jokic <laughs> MVP campaign. Uh, you know, he, Wendy's been on that bandwagon since uh, I for think years, like right, Tim? I since <laughs> I think since like three minutes before Jokic got the trophy. <laughs> yeah. Um, I did vote for Jokic for MVP last year. And also when we had the big argument, it was before Embiid's last injury, which knocked him out for a lot more games. Just, but I know that that's not what you're interested in here. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Come on. Come on. I'm waiting for it. Go ahead. Jokic speaking of um, games, go ahead. Say, say he's ineligible. By the way, Jokic, you see how Jokic dresses on the sideline. That's how, that's how an MVP dresses. He dresses spectacularly. He's Jokic. He is absolutely dressed. What's Watch he wearing? Nikola Jokic. Look it up on Getty. Go find what he's wearing. He is. They don't give me the best. passwords to crap. 
Nikola Jokic is the best dressed man in the NBA right now on the side. He's certainly better dressed than Kyle Kuzma. Good God. Oh my um, God. That uh, seriously, there should be a, there should be a suspension coming his way. You cannot wear that. What do you do? Like, I don't even understand. Why would you want a sweater where your arms are only like halfway down the sleeves? I don't get it. I mean, like just you can't the, eat. You can't, you can't go out to dinner wearing that thing. You can't possibly well, he's, eat. He's obviously doing it for shock value that he got what he wanted out of it. If you don't know, just set a search Google uh, Kuzma and you'll see it. It'll be the first image that pops up. Yeah, I can't believe anybody. Sports Center, he got everywhere. It's, that was the uh, yeah, whole goal. That was yeah. the point. But I will say I've talked with Kuzma about his fashion in the past, like per- personally. And, you know, I've you guys very two, similar two, fashion. Taste, say, right? Two fashionistas <laughs> just, just chopping it up. We actually did. We actually did a little thing, uh, a little uh, t- TV segment for it uh, at the All-Star. Was, game he part of, was, was he part of fire or ice or that or this is yeah. not part of that? Oh, he was. Yeah, this is fire. Yeah. Is this fire? Yeah. Is this fire? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. He made a joke about my fashion. But let me just say uh, just. You know, for whatever you want to say about Kuzma's uh, fashion choices, I will say one time when Kuzma was on the jump, I think it was the first time he was ever on the jump. He had his personal stylist with him. And um, like during the commercial breaks, the stylist was coming over and just doing little alterations to like the folds in his sweater and like the folds on his wrist. I mean, he, he definitely puts a lot of time and effort into it. So, well, but I mean, if if I just said, stylist picked that sweater last night, she needs to be fired. Well, I just said, I said this to Kyle while we were doing that thing a couple of years ago, I said, I see who you've been dating and you shouldn't change anything, whatever you're doing. You can stick right with what you're doing. Don't listen to me. Um, But check out Jokic, the way he's dressing. That's how an MVP dresses. I just want to point that out. Um, Pelton, speaking of another guy that I was speaking, of, you know, another thing I want to put a little, a little uh, sunlight on, uh, so to speak, um, not just Jokic, the way he was playing, but how about the uh, 13 game winning streak, Phoenix Suns? Um, very much under the radar. Some of it is because they haven't really, they don't really have a signature win in there. Uh, we talked about them on the pod a little bit last week, but they have, they've kept winning ever since. And um, I don't know if you, um, another thing is, um, uh, DeAndre Ayton is back and he's putting up double doubles again, looks, looks healthy, uh, after that leg injury. Um, I wanted to know what trends that you've seen from them so far that may be lasting, uh, beyond this winning streak. Yeah, I think overall, it looks like a very similar team to last season, again, in the top 10 on both sides of the ball. And I think that maybe the most notable thing about this winning streak is what you mentioned, that they did it for six games without DeAndre Ayton. This is a team that had minimal injuries throughout last season and still really hasn't this year, but uh, they only had 22 games lost to injury by their starters all season last year. Eight and six are the only they've had this year. And they didn't miss a beat because JaVale McGee has been awesome for them. He's maybe played as well or better than DeAndre Ayton thus far. They're protecting the rim better with him. That's one of the reasons I think they're a little bit better defensively than they were last season when they were undersized when they came in off the bench with either Dario Saric, who's out with that ACL injury he had in the finals, or Frank Kaminsky, who also has actually played pretty well uh, with Aiton out of the lineup, uh, even though he's now... Well, Kaminsky is hurt. Yeah, yeah, he's indefinitely out. Yeah. And JaVale has, all, has been 
more efficient offensively than Aiton and also remarkably has a higher usage rate, which is not something I would have expected. He's getting lobs from Well, it's something that JaVale would have expected. But, <laughs> but it's not it's not the post-ups to nowhere that we saw last year in Cleveland. It's a lot of him finishing at the rim, which is what he should be doing and was doing for two really good teams in the Warriors and the Lakers. Uh, before that kind of lost season for him. So that's, that's I think, you know, how much that's going to matter in the playoffs if you're going up against a team like the Clippers that goes super small or, you know, I, who knows. But over the course of the regular season, McGee, I think, has made them a stronger team. And then the other thing is they're the best closing team in the league. They are plus 34 in 23 clutch minutes for a cool net rating of plus 54.2. It's not wow, bad. look at McMahon bringing the advanced yeah. stats with the machine. <laughs> advanced Cajone factor stats there, baby. I mean, but seriously, like they're it's not they're not blowing the doors off offensively at this point. I think you know that they're not operating at peak uh efficiency offensively. Um, they're a solid defensive team, and if it's close, they're probably going to win. And that's a pretty good formula for putting together a winning streak against so so competition. And, and so, so might be a little generous, uh, according to basketball references, as simple rating system, they've played the easiest schedule in the league, although that doesn't account for home in a way. I, I think and that, that, you know, that's getting the Mavericks without Luca twice as well. Like they've played a soft schedule, but they've put together a ton of wins against a soft schedule. But where that really comes into the play is the difference between them and the Utah jazz who have struggled in close games, you know, in, in basically dead even that rating in those clutch situations. The Jazz have a way better point differential because mm-hmm. when they beat teams, it's usually by 25. But Phoenix is ahead of them in the standings, and you know that's going to potentially determine who's 2-3 in the West if Golden State continues running away with the conference. Yeah, little Jazz, he's had a tough one last night. Jaron Jackson Jr., uh, second Huge three of the season, I would say. Had had one that was a dagger against the Clippers. Memphis. Then... I don't know what you're going to get with Memphis this year. Sometimes yeah. they score 140. Sometimes they give up 140. Sometimes they lose by 40. Sometimes they win big. They were the seventh best defensive team last year. They're in the bottom three this year. Which has surprised me because I thought, okay, you know, Adams for Valanciunas. I thought, okay, it's at least a defensive upgrade. Um, but you say sometimes they give up 140. I would say oftentimes they give up 140. Sometimes they score 140. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, they've been on the inverse. Um, yeah. So I, I don't know. The, I, I, I sort of feel guilty, Bontemps, that we're not talking about the Suns more. Um, but I, I don't know what to say. Then I still I still want to see. Uh, I don't you know, I, their record is awesome. Um, I'm still not sure, though. I'm still not sure. Uh, you know, whether they're in the Warriors League. So we'll see as they play each other a few times in the next few weeks. Well, I mean, look, they play the Cavs on Wednesday. They play, I'm going to see them play at New York on Friday and then Saturday night, Suns at Nets and Tuesday, Warriors at Suns. So we'll see. Well, by the time we talk again after the holiday, we'll see in a couple marquee games for the Suns and we'll see what they look like. But I think as we talked about last week, I think they're the team that's best positioned to beat Golden State in the West as of now. And, you know, they've got the most versatility, I think, to play big or small of those teams in the West. And, you know, they're like the man said, you get into late game situations with them. 
they've proven to be able to execute. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm really interested to see those games and see what they look like. Cause they have every bit of the uh, look of a team that's going to be going deep in the playoffs again. And, you know, I certainly hope we get to see Warrior Suns. I think that could be a hell of a series. I was going to say also, another Chris Paul, Steph Curry playoff series. That would be, be pretty fun, too. I'd be okay with that. Also, it's not out of the realm of possibility that they could look to make a trade to, to add to this roster. Um, they have unless, some it, unless, it, unless it costs money. Well, <laughs> well, it's also incredible. We're talking about all these backup center issues with them, and they spent the 10th pick in the, lot, the draft last year on Jalen Smith, who they then didn't pick up his third-year option, which is an unbelievable turn of events to not pick up a third year option on a lottery pick. Yeah, um, but would Tyrese Halliburton have fit there? I'm, I mean, the, it's just it's truly unbelievable. Uh, no, I know. It's just, it's <laughs> still unbelievable. They very, they may have won the title if they drafted Tyrese Halliburton. I mean, it's, it's just crazy. Now they've crazy. made some really good decisions too, but um, yes. no, they've done, uh, they've done a great job, but that one, that one hurts. So the on question is, so they've been attached on and off for months to Thaddeus Young. And I'm not sure. I mean, the Spurs are not headed anywhere this year. I'm not sure the Spurs are interested. I'm not sure the Spurs are interested in re-signing him. I'm not sure what they want for him. And I'm not sure whether another team can beat the Suns. I'm not even going to get into speculation as to what they might have offered. But if they can get Thad Young, that would be a guy who would really be a nice addition because adding another versatile big there who defends with experience, if they could pull that off. Um, that's where he played last year in Chicago and he was great. And, and I mean, to the point earlier, that's kind of what you need a lot of times when teams go small in the playoffs as, as well as JaVale has played. So, and they could make it work without affecting the rotation. They've got that that Jalen Smith contract that now is expiring because they didn't pick up his option. And then Sharich would probably have to be the rest of the matching salary. He's got one year left. Yeah, they have a couple of guys on their roster who they can't trade for a while. So I don't think that we'll necessarily see that trade soon. And I'm not sure that, you know, if I was San Antonio and I wanted to, to do something, I would wait for the full market to flush itself out. But uh, and maybe the Suns will go a completely other direction, but I'm just saying like keeping an eye on that prospect, that's a possible trade that could affect the balance of power or the, or the, the, the title race. And so, you know, I, like I said, I think the nets potentially to see, let's see how cam Thomas plays and whether they can trust him, and whether or not that emboldens them to make a move, consider making a move with Joe Harris and whether the Suns are willing to pay both in assets and money, because if you're going to use a future first or a future future pick for uh, Thad Young, you probably are going to want to resign him. And that's going to be expensive, mm-hmm. especially with Aiton dangling out there. Um, I'm not saying they're going to do these deals, but I would keep an eye on those. Those are the, you know, early on here, things that I'm watching. Well, and then you're also and, keeping an eye on the Warriors because they've got uh, a stockpile of of you know young unproven at this point talent, but young talent that might have some value. Um, and you know you've talked about their uh, their cash flow situation, so the Warriors are, I think, definitely at least positioned if they want to be aggressive to do so. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure who are the other possible targets out there. You know, role players. I know. 
you know, we're going to hear about Terrence Ross out of, out of Orlando at some point mm-hmm. um, this season. I mean, I would say it's decent chance of him being traded and he could be a, a role playing uh, scorer for somebody. Um, we'll see as the time goes on. I mean, I think Ricky Rubio is an interesting guy. He's been terrific for the Cavs. Um, now they've lost Sexton for the year, Colin Sexton for the year. So, and plus he's, you know, the Cavs are, they have designs on making the playoffs themselves. Although with Mobley out, they've taken it in the teeth and lost four in a row, but you know, the Cavs may come to February and think that it might be smart to trade Rubio. And um, you could be a team that uh, could benefit from him. Although he had makes 18 million. That's a, a big number to move, but um, you know, these are some of the guys who I think could be interesting. I, I don't think we're not talking about stars here, but the types of moves that if contenders made could make a difference. Um, so we're already starting to see how that's developing. Uh, Bontemps, you have anything for, for Pelton before we say goodbye? Yeah. I mean, I want to hear Pelton's thoughts on the MVP race. Cause I know he likes to talk about it a month into the season. So let's hear it. Let's hear where he's at. I mean, I think we just, you know, we have to make up our minds now and definitely not change them no matter what happens <laughs> the next five months. Put it in blood, put, put it in Isaiah Stewart's blood. <laughs> Put it down. I would like to. I would, in all seriousness, like to ask the machine: What? A, how? How many teams do you think are realistic championship compet- contenders in the league as of today? I mean, I still think the West is so wide open that you've probably got like six teams that could realistically win the West, depending on how health goes. Wow. Well, that is a wow. that is a bold take, right? Name now. Them. I, mean, I like think that. So. so I think it. I think it's a bold take right now. Warriors, Suns, Jazz are probably going to be the top three in the conference. And okay. then Lakers, Nuggets. It's like McMahon has entered, or McTen has entered the chat. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Lakers, Nuggets, and Clippers, depending on how their health goes. I mean, I don't think you can rule any of those teams out for winning the West. The West is actually now, I it's not as open as the East was back in the day, but now they're the conference you're looking at. Well, if we can just get to the finals, then we've got a puncher's chance to win. So East, I mean, I... I, I, you know, I, I just heard your conversation talking about how many teams would you pick over the Bucks if they're healthy, and I agree that I, I think that, you know, the Nets, maybe the Heat, maybe the Sixers if they can get something. I, I so I think at this point, I guess it's ten teams that I think wow, have that one is a third higher, of the league. I mean, that's I don't a think, lot higher oh, answer than I predicted. I don't think all of those teams have like a five percent chance of winning it. Some of them are probably at like two percent. All right, well, how many teams do you think are in? It? So Daryl Morey. I think we've talked about on the pod before. It has a 5% theory, right? Where you, you, if you have a 5% chance to win the title, then, you know, you have a real chance. How many teams do you think have a 5% chance? I still might include all six of those West teams. I think that would probably knock out oddly the, uh, the, the Sixers and heat, I think would be the teams that would be knocked out for me. The heat you would knock out. Wow. Yeah. Just cause you have to get through probably the two best two teams in the teams. league are in the East. Yeah. Um, I'd still hire. Let me ask. Let me ask you this, Pelton. Monday night, the 76ers in a, in, in a bad day for the Kings. I mean, they fired their coach. Some people might say it's a good day, but it was, I don't think it's a good day. That somebody puke on the court uh, Saturday night and they fire their coach Sunday. Then they lose to the Sixers on Monday with their whole starting lineup. Now listen, this is the starting five. This is the starting five for the 76ers on Monday night, a game in that they won. Uh, over the Kings who had just fired their coach. George Niang, 
Andre Drummond, Tyrese Maxey, Matisse Thybulle, Furkan Korkmaz. That was their starting five. Um, four of their five regular starters. I mean, five if you count Ben Simmons. I mean, he hasn't started a game this year, but I guess if you include Ben Simmons not being there, all five of their normal starters out. On the fifth game of a West Coast trip, that has been long and hard. And the aforementioned Tyrese Halliburton, who was allegedly going to deliver the Suns a championship, was scoreless. <laughs> yeah, but um, assist, though. Uh, um, I, I saw the Sixers on Saturday night in Portland where they they fought back pretty well in the fourth quarter, given that we got kind of the first vintage Dame Lillard performance of the season. And Tyrese Maxey, who, who wasn't very efficient on Monday night without much support offensively, I think he shot like eight of 22, but had some big plays down the stretch. And, you know, my my concern about him going into the season, he was one of my most intriguing players of the year when we talked about it on the low post before the season was, look, he had these awesome games like game six of last or yeah, game six of last year's conference final semifinals against the Hawks. But he'd also have these games where he was just invisible and it didn't matter because he was coming off the bench and you'd play Simmons down the stretch anyway. This year he has to deliver and he has. He's been way more consistent since the first week of the season. His combination of quickness, the floater game. Uh, much like his former backcourt Emmanuel quickly, the ability to kind of disguise whether it's going to be a floater or a lob has been huge. And then Andre Drummond getting him for the minimum has been awesome for Philly. He was really big down the stretch last night against Sacramento. I wanted to ask you, that was the other thing I wanted to ask you, KP. How good do you think Terrence Maxey is? Because people in Philly, people in Philly are anointing him now. Yeah. As the guy. I mean, one of the, one of the things I've like come to change my mind about the last few years is I used to be pretty skeptical of these guards who couldn't, who were, you know, iffy skill wise, because Maxi still isn't much of a distributor, but I think now the way the rules are, even with potentially more contact on the perimeter. Now, if you have quickness and you can shoot at least a little bit, you're just so difficult to stop and, and keep from getting where you want on the court that players like that, I think, you know, have a lot of value. So if he can develop into at least a, you know, an average three point shooter, then he's a solid starting point guard for years to come in the league. I don't, I mean, I don't know necessarily about all-star, but that's, that's not off the table. I've got a statistical question for you. What is the estimated volume of puke by that Kings fan <laughs> the other night? We cannot go through this pod without, that was one of the best, moments in NBA history. Luke Walton's final game in Sacramento, there being a 15-minute in-game delay because some Yahoo got hammered. And I like that is one of the most I've seen a lot of puking. That's one of the most impressive puke jobs I've ever seen in my life. There had there had I'm saying there had to be minimum like 3.5 gallons of pukage. It is amazing. The best, the best was so we can hold the, that the, much. The video of it, if you can, to, if you can tolerate it, is amazing because one, the people around, you know, just watching the people around, like, come to the realization of what's happening. You can like see them turn their heads and then they start running. Yes. And it's all these moments, like you know, I could do a little novella about all the people around. At one point, like. <laughs> One of the courtside, like security people, called over. The, the, you know, it was during a timeout, and the one of the ball boys was mopping up the court, like oh. wiping up sweat. 
and he calls him over and the ball boy's like, oh, I have to come over here and wipe up some liquid. And he comes running over and he gets like 12 feet away and he realizes what he's been called over to do. And he slams on the brakes. Yeah, he's like, I'm sorry, I'm not getting paid for this. I'm not getting near that. (laughs) And the other thing is the guy just, you know, I don't want to we're at the end of the pot here, but, um, you know, there were several rounds. Dude, and, um, and like and the, guy just just, on, the guy just sits just there. puking on himself and like just, just calm as could be. Yes, that's the thing. He just sort of sits there like, maybe if I don't move, nobody will notice. <laughs> Unbelievable. Uh, I mean, it really, the, you talk about like a metaphor for the state of the Sacramento Kings over the last decade and a half. That, that, that was it. I mean, Just you know, puking it's a premium all over customer when we're talking about first row, you know, listen, I will say this. They hand out those cards to those to those first row folks, actually, like the first five rows, like in discipline. You know, you got to follow these rules. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you will be ejected and possibly banned like McMahon. Nowhere on that goes cards. Does it say anything about puking? So in his defense. You know, it's like the old George Costanza. Was that wrong? I didn't know that was wrong. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Pelton. Guys, it's been an extra long. Hope uh, everyone's been able to make it to the end here, hopefully on your planes, trains, and automobiles. Thanks for listening. Thanks for Have safe travels and Thanksgiving, everybody. And may you keep yep. your Thanksgiving feast down. <laughs> <laughs> what they've been telling McMahon since he was eight years old. All right, everybody, hope you enjoy your holiday. We'll be back with you next week. Adios, amigos. Mm-hmm.